The driver of the twelve-wheeled monster snorted aloud. Fellow, she's no fellow. She's woman through and through, he pointed at her lifting pipe with his long-nosed oiling can. There's her petticoat to prove it. What's her speed when you force her? Her speed? echoed the man with the oil can, as his arm went recklessly in among the great shining shafts. Well, she's such a gawk of a girl yet, I hate to push her. There's no use being too hard on her, for a while yet, anyway. So we've got to kind of coax the speed out of her still. She's touchy, too. Touchy as a four-year-old girl. But he was proud of her. The stranger knew that by the way in which Webb rubbed down the polished cylinders. Seen her wobble along in her sore leg kind of way, doing her mile in forty-seven seconds. Then what would she do that run from Police Creek to Deerhead in, if she was pushed? the stranger asked. You'll see her do it in thirty-five minutes tonight, if you're on board, answered the young engineer. He turned to wipe a stain off her boiler jacket. It was almost the same touch that a mother gives to wipe away a child's tear. Just wait till she finds herself. She's still kind of ashamed of showing her ankles now. She ain't good for a girl who's got to do the most loose-jointed work that steam and cylinder was ever set at. Webb chuckled at his own personifying jocularity. She's too skittish yet, and needs another month or two of petting down and coaxing out. And then you'll see that eighteen-by-twenty-six cylinder of hers getting on its fine work. Stranger is on the cab steps, peering about the tender and boiler head and cab windows. He's got to learn her table manners yet, too, said Webb. He was young and liked to talk. She eats coal like a hog, has the dirtiest habits of any brooks I ever saw. But me and Tom's been teaching her things, and she's willing, mighty willing to learn. See, you haven't got those white train markers on instead of green laughed the stranger, waving his gloved hands toward the waiting express cars. No, by God, but we've got two Winchesters and two picked men on board, and I guess they'll answer about as well. I hear that Collins, who ought to be going out on his run, kind of flunked. That's a lie, cried Webb, like one of the Brotherhood. He's sick. He's damn near dead. That's what he is, wife sitting up two nights putting plasters on him. The reference was twofold. Some amiable lunatic had written to the division superintendent, saying he needed a few thousand dollars and desired the road. If they cared to treat with him before certain things might happen, to place white markers instead of green on their eastbound express. This in itself was nothing, but three times in two weeks switch blocks had been tampered with, and a local and a lumber train had come to grief, and not without the loss of life. "'Well, I guess there's nothing much doing this kind of weather anyway,' remarked the stranger with his muffled but companionable laugh. Webb swung himself up on the cab steps, for out of the clear, windless air of the late afternoon they could hear the incoming westbound scream and scream and scream again. Then across the open prairie glare they could hear the reverberant rumble and roar. A moment later she wheeled into sight belching a pennant of pearl-colored steam with rose-tinted edges in the late afternoon sun. She staggered to a standstill, her great shoulders hunched arrogantly up, panting and blowing with what seemed a sense of her own importance. 
A man ran crunchingly down the platform with a sheet of yellow flimsy in his hand. The black-coated stranger boarded the train. As Webb disappeared behind his oil-stained canvas curtain, the burnished bell swung noisily once or twice. A cloud of pearl and old rose steam surrounded the twelve great wheels. Number 87 grunted a response to the throttle, move, and seemed to shake herself from her sleep. The drift snow shrilled and whined, and the great steel belly, in which a family might house, hissed forth her power, and the eastbound was on her way again. Many eyes watched her curiously from the squat little station, for already the news that she carried two armed guards on board, and that her express car safes held forty thousand dollars in Ashcroft gold dust, had spread around the little frost-bound town.